Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I want to hear cannons. Three step drop, close all the end zone. Caught ball, touchdown, Tampa Bay. Mike Evans reaches up with one hand and grabs it in. It's first and goal. That's picked off. That's picked off. And who else? Rondé Barber. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers may ride to the Super Bowl with that one. We don't even keep score. We just run that up and leave. Third down, 18. Dropping Gannon, looking Gannon, looking Gannon. Throws up in the head. Hey, That's At the 30. Derek Brooks, 30. Brooks to the 29. He's Derek Brooks all the way. There it is. The dagger's in. We're going to win the Super Bowl. This is Mike Allstott, Tempe Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. And there are the cannons coming. Fire them. Keep on firing them. Keep on firing them. It is Saints week for the 2-1 Tampa Bay Buccaneers as they set their sights on New Orleans with a chance to make some space in the NFC South and a game that will ultimately go a long way in deciding who will be the winner of this division at the end of the 2023 season. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire podcast. I'm your host, as always, Rep Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself from BucksNation.com, Evan Wanish. It is our week four game preview episode. Hard to believe it's already week four. Uh, you know, every single year we have this conversation about how quickly we go from, hey, football's back to all the way into the thick of it with the bye week just around the corner for Tampa Bay. This is a big game. Short week, tough loss on Monday night football against a stout Philadelphia Eagles team and a Saints defense that may not be as good or cleaned up as Philly is but still pretty good, still pretty tough to score on. So there's a lot to dive into over the next hour or so, and we are excited to do that. Evan, first and foremost, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, yeah, you're right. When you say uh, the season sort of flies by quick, you know, you're already on game four. So uh, taking it game by game and uh, just trying to enjoy football being here. And uh, it's also al- almost already October. Like the, the game's been played on October 1st. So crazy how, you know, when football season comes, everything just sort of speeds up, uh, including the season itself. So, yeah, re- really excited to get into this one. I think both teams are pretty, like, evenly matched i think i don't think it's like i don't i don't there's some positions where obviously the bucks have the edge or some position where new orleans has the edge but i also don't think there's too many positions where you're like okay it's like you know with, with philly like okay the eagles offensive line was way better than tampa's like i don't really see uh many position things there across the board i think it's pretty even across the board yeah and we'll get into the injury report now For New Orleans going into this game, seemingly with Jameis Winston going to be their week four starter. So a lot of Jameis fans looking forward to this matchup as we got to see it week two of 2022 and the Bucs were able to get the upper hand that game also in New Orleans. But the Saints will also be down an offensive guard. That is Cesar Ruiz, who has been a pretty serviceable piece for them these last couple of years. And it'll be interesting to see, obviously, how that plays into their game plan on Sunday. But for the Bucs, a little bit more concerning news. Uh, on Friday, Jamel Dean, Servasier Dennis, Kalijah Kansi, and Derek Pitts were all ruled out of Sunday's matchup against New Orleans. In addition, Carlton Davis and Vita Vea, Devin White as well, all listed as questionable. So those guys going to be game time decisions. Have to assume at least two out of three of them are going to be good enough to give it a go. Uh, but missing Jamel Dean in a week like this, obviously Servasier Dennis, the rookie, 
Kalijah Kansi yet to play, aside from that one play that I think he made week one against Minnesota. And then Derek Pitts, who the Bucs were forced to throw into the game last week with Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean leaving Monday night with injury. So uh, the Bucs come into this with some concerning injuries. And, and we say concerning injuries because, you know, in years past, when you have more experienced depth to pad out the roster, you could go into games like this a little bit shorthanded and not feel like you're coming up as short. But for as young of a Bucks team as this is, with guys like Devin White, Vita Vea, and Carlton Davis all listed as questionable, really hoping they play this Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I I looked at that, that injury report and literally zero offensive players on the injury report. Zero. Uh, it was all defensive players. As we oh, real quick, we have a ten dollar super chat though from Zach Jarvis. Really, really appreciate the ten dollar super Thank chat. You, Before I get into my thoughts, there said love the show. Bucks should really think about having Davis playing. I don't know if it's worth it if he damages more of his turf toe and has to be out even longer. Yeah, obviously Carlton Davis is one of the players who even last week though it seemed like he was trending towards playing, ended up being inactive for a second straight week. So. I think the Bucks are going to be cautious. Uh, I I thought he was going to play last week. He didn't. They held him out one more week. So we'll see if he plays or not. I do think that the urgency is there a bit more with Jamel Dean most likely you know out. Uh, so I do think there's a little bit more urgency to, to have Carlton Davis there. But appreciate the super chat, uh, Zach. But yeah, I mean Devin White, Vita Vea. I mean especially Vita Vea not practicing on Wednesday and Thursday really raised some eyebrows because if if this defense was missing Vita Vea, uh, I think it changes a lot. You know, you're already missing a starting corner. Take away your best starting defensive lineman. That, that's tough to overcome. And uh, luckily, it does sound like I at least I think. Vita Vea will be able to give it a go, as well as Devin White. Uh, Devin White practiced a little bit on Thursday and practiced a little bit on Friday after missing Wednesday, even though Wednesday was a walkthrough. Uh, it wasn't like a, a padded practice, like doing stuff. It was more of a walkthrough, but uh, still a positive update for the Bucks defense. Losing Jamel Dean definitely hurts, uh, especially with the Saints' two wide receivers, Michael Thomas and Chris Olave. I would assume Carlton Davis would likely be matched up on Michael Thomas, so Zion McCollum's probably going to be on Chris Olave, that's a big matchup to watch. I mean, whoever wins that matchup might end up being like the difference in the game. If Zion McCollum can contain Chris Olave, or if, if Olave just sort of runs wild, that could be the difference in this game. So we'll have to wait and see there. But regardless, even though Jamel Dean's out, Kalaja Kansi's out, I know a lot of people are frustrated with Kansi. Like, I get it. But at the same time, like, I'm okay with the Bucks being a bit more cautious on it, especially with the bye week coming up. Um, but, you know, it is still positive news that Devin White, Vita Vey, and Carlton Davis all look like they they have a pretty decent chance to play. Yeah, as far as Kalijah Kansi goes, too, I mean, I don't want to be the guy that tells everybody be, uh, to be patient because this is a first-round pick, and we obviously want to see what he's made of. But you remember the first two seasons of Vita Vea where it was kind of like yeah. took him a little while to really come around and play full speed, play up to that potential we know that he can. Uh, and that's just because of some of the injuries he had to endure his first couple of years in the league. But mm -hmm. luckily, he came out on the better side of it. So hopefully, Kansi can do the same. I've never done this before, but I do want to do this. Shout out again to Zach Jarvis for the $10 Super Chat. Can we fire the cannons and it doesn't sound bad? Uh, we fire the cannons and don't even get any noise, apparently. I don't know what's going on with my Bluetooth. I thought it was going to work. Oh, well. Oh, well. Live show live show for yeah, you. Yeah, that's what you get for doing it live. We'll fix it the next time we get a super chat like that. But thank you again, Zach Jarvis. I wanted to have one more conversation about 
couple of these injured players, Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean being the two in question. Uh, this is an uncomfortable conversation I think we're going to have to have at some point in the season, but if you're the Bucks coming into this game, Carlton Davis, oh, oh, delayed reaction, but there they are. I don't know what took so long. Uh, <laughs> so Carlton Davis left Monday night's game with injury. Potentially missing this one, not not confirmed yet, still questionable, still a game-time decision, uh, but Jamel Dean set to miss this game. He's been battling so far this year, feeling kind of feeling kind of eh in some games. Do you get concerned about how much your number one and number two corner are on the field, especially you know after the offseason, you were just able to pay both of them to stay here? Yeah, I mean, I think it is a concern now. Carlton Davis, I'm pretty sure he hasn't had a completely healthy season in the NFL. Like, he's never really missed, like, a majority of the games, but, like, he's always missed two games there, three games there, like, sort of what he's done. Jamel Dean's kind of a bit similar. Um, Jamel Dean had some more injury issues in college, which kind of really hindered his abilities in college. Uh, one of the reasons he fell to the Bucks. but, I mean, it's definitely not good, and especially, like we talked about with a team like Tampa that just doesn't really have as much secondary depth as you would like that hurts uh, and that really hurts and like i said luckily it sounds like the bucks won't have to be without both of them at the same time like luckily it sounds like i mean they were for a little bit against philly on monday night uh when jamel dean left but luckily it sounds like they won't have to play like a full game without without both um because i i would guess carlton davis probably gives it a go but you know, you're definitely right. You're making an investment in those guys to be big time performers on your defense. And, you know, if they're not available due to injury, it's sort of out of your control. But at the same time, like it hurts and it's going to hurt the rest of the defense as well. But at the same time, uh, the depth is, has to find a way to step up. Yeah. Let's talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the offensive side of the ball as we get into this game preview for the Bucks against Philly. Uh, they did exactly what we were afraid of, and, and that was kind of fall in love with the run in the first half and, and get a little stubborn with it. Well, good news for everybody concerned about the Bucks' run game. Dave Canales said this week that the Bucks are going to be, quote, stubborn running the <laughs> football uh, after an entire week of speculation about Rashad White, Sean Tucker, and what the rest of that running back room can do. The Bucks do not look to be changing their game plan very much this week as far as getting away from the run. Now, the creativity of those runs yet to be seen but when you hear comments like that and you look at a Saints defense that while they are not the Eagles they're still pretty stout at stopping the run and they are tough to score on 11 straight games of not allowing over 20 points in the NFL which is incredibly tough to do they're pretty underrated stat honestly yeah it's a defensive core that's been together a long time and it's a defense that even with Tom Brady here has given the Bucks issues so long as they've had Dennis Allen in town that's for damn sure mm-hmm. so when you think about the Bucks' offensive approach coming into this week, they say they're going to run the ball a little bit more. That's how they've beat some of these inferior teams. What are your thoughts on it? Look, I mean, I don't mind running the ball more. Uh, the issue I have with it is in the flow of a game, I, I think if if it's not working, you got to try something else. And to me, in the Philly game, they just they tried to hammer that square peg into a round hole just just, just too many times. And against these good teams, you're, you're not going to be able to, to dig your way out of it. You're just you're simply not going to be able to do it. And it happened against Philly like and New Orleans is not the same level of Philly. Like, obviously, New Orleans is not as good as Philly is. But if you try that again and you're not running with success, you're not putting your offense in the best possible position to succeed. So 
I just think while you should be running the ball more, right? They threw the ball way too much last year. Like they need to get, you know, be able to run the ball effectively. But if it's not working, you gotta be able to switch to something else. And the Bucks just didn't do that enough on on Monday. So it does like and the funny thing is, like if Byron Leftwich would have said this last year, and like I said, Byron Leftwich is a terrible offensive coordinator, but if he would have said this last year, people would have wanted his head on on a platter. Right. Like if he would have said something like this, I know Dave Canales is new in town. He still probably has that like little bit of like a grace period, I, I guess. Uh, maybe for like a, maybe only a few more weeks though. You know, his shine could wear off if the Bucks offense can't really do much and the Buccaneers start losing games. Who knows? But, um, I don't, I don't mind the idea of running it. It's just to me in the flow of a game, you have to be able and recognize when to adjust. And the Bucks just didn't do that on Monday. Hopefully that doesn't become a trend. I think, you know, from the beginning of the game, they just have to prove to be the more physical team. It starts up front. Yeah. It, it starts with the Bucks offensive line. And, and when we try to pinpoint the issues that they've had in the run game so far up to this season, they haven't had as many issues against the weak teams as we have talked about, but against Philly, in a game like that where they struggle, I mean, that's that's on both Rashad White and the offensive line. It, it, it's kind of hard to sit here and say that Rashad White's not the guy 100%, and that's why the run game is the issue. Or, you know, the offensive line doesn't look as good as they should. They're not opening up lanes, and that's 100% the issue. Both can be true. And in the case mm-hmm. of the Bucks' run game, I, I think that's what we are going to be dealing with. So, New Orleans ranked number 10 in the NFL as far as their run defense goes, averaging 99.7 yards given up per game. As for the Bucs, they were number three headed into Monday Night Football to close out week three. They are now down to number 12, averaging 103 yards per game. So it, it just goes to show the uh, the damage that DeAndre Swift and that Eagles rushing attack was able to do on Monday night because the Bucs only averaged 53 yards given up on the ground headed into Monday night's game. Passing the football. Mike Evans and Marshawn Lattimore. I mean, this is the main event of the evening, folks. You know, I wish we had a tale of the tape graphic for these two guys because, as you know, uh, they have gone at it plenty of times over the years. Mike Evans even served a suspension last season for whooping that ass uh, in defense of his quarterback, Tom Brady. So we're expecting more fireworks this week. But with that being said, Mike Evans versus Marshawn Lattimore is it unrealistic to expect maybe a little bit more of Chris Godwin this week as well? Because when you go back and you look at the offense from last week, Baker was making the throws that he needed to, but there were a couple of instances, man, where Chris Godwin was clearly the guy who should have been getting the football. And I, I hope after watching film for a couple of days, Dave Canales and the rest of the Bucks offense also realized that, hey, Chris Godwin is the guy who should be getting the ball. And he's a guy in the past who has done some real damage against New Orleans. Yeah, I think that's a key to this this offense, you know, really unlocking another gear is getting Godwin going. And they haven't been able to do that yet. Hopefully that changes. And and like you said, hopefully all the attention that Mike Evans and Marshawn Lattimore are going to get, maybe it opens up those lanes for Godwin. Um, I think it definitely could. I hope it does. I mean, you know, he had two okay games against Minnesota and Chicago, and then against Philly, you know, it was really just, not involved that much. He had three catches and one of the, one of the catch. Well, it didn't count one as a catch, but two point conversion as well. Um, but it just, to me, yeah, they got to get him more involved. And like, I know Bucks fans, you know, hated the screens and stuff last year, but like, you got to try and get stuff like that going sometimes just to get him into a rhythm there. And I think that's important for this offense. It can't just be the Mike Evans show. And, you know, and there's too many other talented players on this offense. It just, it simply cannot be. And 
right now they're and like i even said i believe on the game review show last of on tuesday uh basically this offense is how many explosive plays can mike evans come up with because if he can't come up with explosive plays they're likely not scoring the the one bucks touchdown on monday night mike evans made a fantastic one-handed catch then the Buccaneers end up scoring if he drops that the Bucs score who knows so they're they're too reliant on Mike Evans right now and I think that Chris Godwin is the key to really opening up this offense and hopefully he's able to do that I I think it's been a little bit long time coming here and and like I said hopefully with all the attention that that other matchup is going to get hopefully Chris Godwin can can pick up a lot of yards and catches on the way yeah, and there's obviously some other playmakers still on the offense. I mean, Trey Palmer still very much out there getting his reps. Devin Tompkins could be used in a creative way. Using the running backs in the passing game is going to be interesting because you had mentioned the screen pass to Chris Godwin. And as far as, you know, how the Bucks play New Orleans, I feel like that's how they're going to get a lot of their yards this week is just those dirty, grinded out kind of plays. Whether it is running the ball, if that ends up working, or the screen passes, you know, quick three-step drop, get rid of the ball. Uh, quick slants, you know, stuff like that. High percentage looks for the Bucks, I think, is going to be the key to efficiency on offense this week. Our buddy G Vegas in the live chat says Saints will probably try to duplicate the Eagles game plan from Monday night, grind it out and wear down that Bucks defense, because until that Bucks offense shows consistency, the Saints have no right to fear the Bucks offense. And that's true. I, I think a lot of teams are going to be playing Tampa Bay that way. And the Saints, I mean, <laughs> they're no strangers uh, to playing the Bucks disrespectfully. So I have to assume if they're in a position where, you know, they can take a little bit of a chance to get a one up that some people might view as disrespectful. I wouldn't put it too far past them to, you know, I don't know, go for a fourth down in their own territory already up 10 points or something like that. Like that's just, that's new Orleans behavior to me. G Vegas. Again, uh, I just messed up my left shoulder this morning on a mountain bike ride swollen and can't rotate it. I will be shocked if Derek Carr can throw the football this Sunday. First of all, G Vegas, hope you feel better. I know that hurts. Um, But second, yeah, we're kind of doing this game preview, assuming that Jameis Winston is going to be the quarterback for the Saints in week four. I think it probably will be. Carr on the injured report only listed as questionable, but Dennis Allen said he's going to be week to week. I, I don't. Ah, we'll save that conversation for the defense. Looking at the offense, I just wanted to highlight one more thing before we talk about the other side of the football. With Mike Evans versus Marshawn Lattimore getting as much attention as it is, you mentioned how the Bucks' offense just, it, it cannot rely on big plays from Mike Evans to get the job done this week because so far that's what's had to happen uh, for them to show any sense of urgency. I mean, Monday night, their best drive of the game was three minutes with a lot of those targets going to Mike Evans. Yeah. So, He's a great player, and I love seeing him get his, but he has a history of not, I don't want to say not showing up against New Orleans, but New Orleans has a history of giving him issues, and the Bucks' offense has struggled year in and year out simply because Mike Evans just can't get open against New Orleans. Yeah, well, they also get in his head, um, and that's something where you would think even like as a younger player that would affect him, but as even like as an older player, it just seems like every year it's something with Marshawn Lattimore um, and something the way that, like you said earlier, when Dennis Allen, you know, Dennis Allen, the way they play coverages against Mike Evans, uh, he, he can struggle, and then he starts to get frustrated because Lattimore starts to talk, and then he gets himself in even more trouble because you play worse when you're frustrated like that, and then you start to press and um, – the Buccaneers can't have that on Sunday. They just they, they can't afford that, especially with 
you know, a less talented offense now. Like, there's not going to be as many different ways to attack this New Orleans defense as there once was. So they can't afford Mike Evans to be, you know, his head out of the out of the game and on something else. Like, like they just they can't afford that now. I mean, am I expecting Mike Evans to go out there and catch, you know, six balls for 150 yards? No, probably not. Like, you know, I still think New Orleans is going to have success against him. They've had success against him in the past, but it's about finding a rhythm and just being consistent enough and being useful for this offense, moving the chains on third down, maybe an explosive play here or there, but like, just don't get in your own head and don't do the stupid stuff that they want to bait you into. It it sounds silly, but like, they're going to try and bait you into it. Like they do every single year. And a lot of times, honestly, Mike Evans like falls for it. Like on like a lot of times, like Marshawn Lattimore is just a thorn in Mike Evans side. And, he just he's got to find a way to to be consistent and be good for this football team on Sunday because they're, they're going to need him. Some more good points from the moderator G Vegas here in the live chat about the offense. Uh, I said in another stream, if you get Godwin ten targets, seven of those he's going to catch. Five of them will be first downs with Chris Godwin. Are you telling me the Bucks offense does not want five first downs? Just pretty much handed to him this Sunday. And uh, one more point here as we talk about the run game, as we know the Bucks will be stubborn this week. Uh, I just hope Canales doesn't get stubborn running bad runs. He can try to switch it up with draws, end arounds, tosses, etc. If the power middle continues not to work as we have seen so far this season. You know, I had mentioned getting Rashad White involved in the passing game because I do think he is a player who still has the ability to do that. I mean, over the offseason, you know, one of the big selling points of him being a potential three down back for the Bucks was his ability to make some plays in the pass game. And, while I do still feel like he's he's coming around still, we're four weeks into the season, so this is kind of one of the last weeks you can use that as an excuse. But when you look at the run game and, and how they prepare this week, I agree with G Vegas in, in bringing up just the creativity of these runs. You know, the, the running back room is already going in handicap because the Bucks didn't want to sign anyone else after losing Chase Edmonds for a couple of weeks. So it is literally Rashad White, Sean Tucker, Keyshawn Vaughn, who has not played a lick of football this year. So, with a running back room that we have already deemed not to be good enough against the Philadelphia Eagles, I mentioned that the Saints' defense is not the Eagles, but they're going to try and run the ball. Uh, I think if you give Rashad White more inside power carry, send him right up the A-gap, you're going to get another week in a row where he finishes with 2.7, 2.8 yards per carry on 18 attempts. Um, I would like to see the creativity be opened up here. Because, I mean, Canales is new, but everyone else on that coaching staff and everyone else who have played the Saints before on this Bucks roster, you they know you have to be creative. Like the, I, I just don't I don't see a scenario where the Bucks are going to play their brand of football that they played week one and week two and beat the Saints. I don't see it playing out that way. And I know that people call us the most negative Bucks podcast of all time, which is just bonkers, but we try to keep it realistic. And if I'm talking realistically, I think the Bucks are going to have to show us some more wrinkles on Sunday afternoon because Monday night was their chance to do that, and uh, it was probably Canales' worst play-calling venture so far. Rookie play-caller, so he's going to take his lumps. He has taken accountability this week, but looking for them to get creative ultimately on the offensive side of the ball this week. Yeah, I, I don't really have much more to say there. Um, 
I, I agree. It's, you know, instead of running right up the middle, try and run, you know, to the outside, try and spread things out a little bit, get quicker passes. You know, like I said, try those screens of Godwin, try and get him involved in the offense. Um, you know, I, I, I do think that it, it is, it's important. And I think if you're creative and that doesn't mean trick plays and everything like that, like that doesn't mean that, but, um, you know, I, I do think that, a creative offense is one that keeps the defense on edge, keeps them guessing. And I think that's just going to result in, in better results. So yeah, I, I do agree. Hostile environment. You got to stay composed. Mike Evans don't get carried away in the rest of the Bucks offense. If, as long as they keep their head on straight, I do think they can go out there and do some damage. Let's talk about the other side of the football for Tampa Bay. I, I want to open up and I, and I want to talk about this pass rush before I talk about anything else on this team, because Monday night, Philly, I know we're talking about them like they're the 85 Bears, but Philly realistically has the best offensive and defensive line in the NFC. So again, Monday night was a litmus test for where the Bucks should be against one of the best teams in the league. But what are your thoughts for the pass rush this Sunday? Because I, I still have my doubts. If the Bucs are going to put an emphasis on getting pressure with just four down linemen, I don't know how confident I feel. Even though the Saints are going to be down Cesar Ruiz at the guard position, I just don't know. Do you think they can bring enough pressure to take advantage when you look at, obviously, what the Saints bring to the table? Well, the thing is, uh, is the offensive line is what New Orleans has actually struggled with uh, this season so far. Um, they've struggled to protect the quarterback. And I remember in, in the past Saints matchups, some of the Bucks' issues were on both sides of the ball, the trench play, right? The Saints would dominate the Bucks' offensive line on the trenches, and then the Bucks' defensive line couldn't get pressure on no matter who the quarterback was, or Drew Brees, Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton, whoever. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, I, I do think there is an opportunity uh, for the Bucks defensive line to maybe get some pressure with just four guys, not have to blitz, especially with Devin White, who's not 100% healthy. Like, Devin White, even though he might play, he's not 100%. Devin so. White, not 100% healthy. Vita Vea, not 100% healthy. Yep, if yep. you have Carlton Davis out there, not 100% healthy. Yeah, yeah, you already don't have Jamel Dean. So, um, you know, there is going to be a lot of questions there. And, um you know, uh, and I saw, I see Mikey in the chat. No, I, I thought I heard Derek Carr's questionable. I wonder if he's playing. We are operating under the assumption he's not playing. Uh, it was, I think that might be a little bit of a game by New Orleans there to keep you guessing a little bit, but um, we, we will see. But we're operating under the assumption that he, he's going to be out and it's going to be James Winston. But um, I do think that there is an opportunity yeah, for the Buccaneers defensive line to, to get some sacks because, like I said, Unlike the past years, New Orleans offense ha- offensive line um, has had their struggles so far this year. For the Bucks on defense, Alvin Kamara returns to the lineup for New Orleans, and this is a run game that is looking to revive themselves because currently they average 93.3 rushing yards per game, 21st in the NFL, and uh, believe it or not, their lead back this year, take a wild guess, it's Taysom Hill, 91 yards on 16 carries God, I can't actually. I actually probably wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah, I hate that guy. Can't stand him. Uh, So we're obviously going to get a good look at Taysom Hill this week, but have to assume the Saints are going to be giving Alvin Kamara some looks early and often. And the Bucks run defense looking to bounce back after one of their worst efforts they have had in recent memory last week on Monday Night Football. I don't think Kamara is going to be getting over 100 yards on the ground. Call it a hot take. Call it what you will. I mean, the guy has not played any football this year. Yeah, he might have some rust. There might be some rust there. 
Yeah, I, I think, you know, for the Saints, it'll be curious to see how aggressive they decide to get because in that first half, if Kamara just doesn't look like the guy he was before he got suspended, it may take him a couple of weeks to get back to full speed. You kind of get curious what the rest of that run game is going to look like. Now, again, Taysom Hill still very much an option for them, and it seems like whenever he's on the field, he is an issue for the Bucks. I mean, he's an issue for any team in the NFL. I don't know what it is, but he's been on the Saints for five, six years now. Oh, longer than that. And he's, it, and he's, dude, he's like 32 years old. And it's insane to think that every time he's on the field, NFL teams just haven't wised up to, you know, he's one of those players that you cannot get lost. You can't lose him on the field. You have to know where he is at all times because sometimes he looks like the slowest guy on the field and he ends up, you know, taking it 20 yards because nobody saw him coming on like a, on a, on a, on a draw play, on an RPO, on a quick pass. He comes in, plays quarterback sometimes. He's tossing touchdowns. I mean, he is the ultimate gadget player, and he's everything that you would want in that kind of player for New Taysom, Orleans. Taysom Hill is 33, and this will this is his seventh season in New Orleans. Man. So, yep. An interesting, yep, stat, an interesting stat about Alvin Kamara real quick. Sorry not to cut you off. Thank you. Uh, so we talk about him being a great running back, and I still think he has some juice, obviously, but... From 2020 to 2022, he has only averaged 52 scrimmage yards per game against the Buccaneers, which is a drastic difference from his stats 2017 to 2019 against the Bucs. He averaged 122.3 difference. Yards. Yeah, quite a stark difference. So the Bucs, while we do talk about Alvin Kamara being something they have to focus on on the New Orleans offense, the Bucs have done a pretty good job of neutralizing him on the field these last couple of seasons. But the ultimate question is... Back to where we started, what kind of run defense is going to show up for the Bucks this Sunday? Yeah, yeah, I, I, and I do think it's going to be improved. I don't think they're going to be gashed on the ground. Um, because, I mean, look, they have good run defenders. Like, Will Golson's a good run defender. Vitave, if he's out there, I know he's not probably going to be 100% healthy, but, like, he, we all know what type of run defender he is. Even Shaq Barrett, like, responsible run defender. Anthony Nelson, a pretty responsible run defender. So, I, I don't really have, like too many concerns i'm not thinking like the saints are gonna be you know over 150 yards rushing you know i do think there might be some big runs because the bucks defense has given up some explosive plays and like honestly towards especially in the beginning of the eagles game they were fine and they just allowed two or three explosive runs and that kind of skewed the numbers but then towards the end they got wore down and then they were just allowing everything but um i i do think that the Buccaneers' uh, defensive line will be improved with stopping the run. I think the linebackers will be more engaged there. I think there's going to be more of a point of emphasis on stopping and run because New Orleans saw that last week too. So I think New Orleans is thinking, well, look, especially if Derek Carr's not in, like if you're able to run the ball effectively, it can make your offense you know, work even better. So I would expect them to run the ball, and I think it's up to Tampa Bay to stop it. Yeah, I think, honestly, the Bucs are going to come out of the gate aggressive on defense. I feel like you you put the pressure on New Orleans. You put the pressure on Jameis, who's going to be back there, and we know how he gets when the pocket collapses, when he's forced to improvise. When you make him uncomfortable, we've seen what happens. We got five full seasons of it here in Tampa Bay, and we saw it week two of last year. So that's probably going to be on the game plan for the Bucs defensively. But let's still talk about the offensive weapons that they do have. Michael Thomas making his way back into the lineup I couldn't tell you the last time Michael Thomas played the Bucks, like 2019, maybe. Did, did he not play week two? He play, last you year? know what? He played that divisional game in 2020, and he got stiff armed to hell. But he, he he didn't play week two last year. No, he did not. 
and I don't think he played at all against the Bucks in 2021, if I'm not mistaken. So this has been a long time coming for Saints fans. Slant Boy finally back in the lineup, but Chris Olave has been more than enough. That guy is a stud. So looking at this Saints offense, you know, if they get aggressive throwing the ball, Jameis Winston always going to be a factor. But do you see any other playmakers? We already talked about Taysom Hill, so I don't think we have to cover him. Uh, but- Michael Michael Thomas did play in that game last year. He had six catches, sixty five yards, and a touchdown. Dang, maybe maybe I just maybe I just really don't like him, and I just <laughs> forgot. Maybe I completely forgot to give him credit for that. I I don't know. I mean, the touchdown was in garbage time. But yeah, I'm just used to not seeing him. I mean, I've been ribbing the guy for not playing the last couple of years. So so maybe you know, I guess I take back what I said. Apologies to Michael Thomas, even though he may not hear this. Probably not, but. Everybody letting me know in the chat now too. Richard T. Michael Thomas played last year and scored on us. That's why I forgot because he scored on us. But looking at the Saints offense, not only Michael Thomas added to the equation Chris Olave, but do you see any other playmakers? I mean, Jawan Johnson uh, has been pretty good in the past. Uh, Rashid? Rahid? I forget the first name of the player. Uh, Had a punt return last week against Green Bay. Really good player, explosive player, number 22 on the Saints. Let me just look up number 22 on the Saints. And, uh, I, yeah, R- Rashid Shahid. So that, that's his number 22. Like I said, had a part turn, has had a few explosive plays for the Saints. I think he made a play uh, in week one as well. Um, has been, like I said, pretty, pretty darn good uh, for New Orleans. Just had the, the explosiveness, right? Doesn't really offer you much else. Just something to really keep an eye on. Other than that, obviously, I'm a big Olave guy. Like, I think Olave's probably, I, I would prefer Olave over Michael Thomas at this point. Like, yeah. I think he's like the better player, but um, yeah, I mean, definitely, even though Michael Thomas isn't what he once was combining him with Chris Olave, and then you got guys like Jawan Johnson and uh, uh, Rashid, I guess, uh, and, and Alvin Kamara back into the passing game as well. So you also have to account for that. So they definitely have no shortage of playmakers on that offense. Yeah. That specialist guy, you got to look out for him. I mean, even for Philly last week, you know, their return game, had a little bit of extra juice simply because yeah. the Bucks coverage team just wasn't doing enough. And this is this is something we've seen before. You know, the Bucks special teams has kind of kind of had its ups and downs as far as coverage goes, but that's going to have to be better this week because if any team has a returner who has just a little bit of explosiveness as you have mentioned, it seems like the Bucks are due to give up one of those big punt returns and set up good field position for the opposing team. So, that's going to be something the Bucks are going to want to focus on this week. Now, we look at the rest of the defense. I know we talked about the pass rush and the defensive line. We talked about them getting aggressive early in the game to put the pressure on New Orleans, maybe take away that run game, force them to be one-dimensional. You look at the rest of this team. If Devin White does not play, and Carlton Davis maybe plays and leaves the game or does not play, do you think this is a Bucks defense that still can come in here and... I, I guess keep New Orleans, you know, from uh, from making this game too far gone. You know, you have to assume that the offense is going to be the major variable. The Bucks defense can show up and play however they want, but if your offense can't do anything like on Monday night, then it could be another ugly game. But do you think it'll be enough for the Bucks uh, if they end up that shorthanded? Man, I mean, look, the Saints so far this year scored 16 points, 20 points, and 18 points. 
and their offense just hasn't been that good. Like, I want to say no chance. Oh, I'm sorry. Actually, they scored 17 points last week. Yeah. I, I want to say no chance if Carlton Davis isn't there and De- you know Devin White isn't there. Like, I want to say, like, oh, the Bucks will get pummeled. But, like, I don't know. Like, the Saints offense isn't anything to write home about. I just – I don't see it. Now, I mean, if if both those guys, though, like, there's going to be a drop-off. Like, obviously, there's going to be a drop-off. And if both those guys are out, like, the Bucks probably aren't going to win. Like, I just don't know if the Bucks offense will be able to do enough against New Orleans defense. Um, New Orleans basically is like an old-school football team now. Like, they're – play good defense limit the turnovers on offense and you'll win. You know, it, I mean, they won against the Titans 16 to 15, won against the Panthers 20 to 17 and just lost to the Packers 18 to 17. And I'm going to be honest with you, 80, 80% of that game against the Packers, they looked awful. Yeah. And they were, well, they were up 17 and nothing, you know, I'm sorry. The, the breakdown for them at the end of that game against the Packers, they looked awful. The Packers also looked awful for about 80% of that game. Yeah. Um, and it was, they would have missed field goal away from winning that ball game. So I, it's it, it's tough. I I want to say no, but like at the same time, like Devin White's a big piece of their defense. Carlton Davis is an even bigger piece when you factor in the depth that they have behind him and the fact that Jamel Dean is already missing this game. I would say that'd be a very bad scenario, but like the New Orleans offense just isn't that good. So like I, I don't think the Bucks would have much trouble like limiting them, even if those guys were to miss some time in the game. I'm looking at Devin White to have a big game this week. I know obviously the interception on Monday night and the groin injury is is maybe an issue, right? Pops it's weird. It's me. weird because he had the groin injury, but it was listed this week on practice injury report as a foot injury. So a little weird. I don't know if he's dealing with both. And you know, I don't yeah, know. curious to see what his issue is. But if he can stay healthy, I would like to see him have a big game because Devin White of all players has a history of just going off in New Orleans. I don't know what it is. Uh, going back to, you know, near LSU where he played college football, it just turns something on in him. He he always plays like a monster in New Orleans, and, and I think that that trend is going to have to continue this week. For the Bucs, uh, on the defensive side of the ball, we talked about their approach, but fundamentals, you know, tackling's got to be better. Uh, the Bucks potentially down the stretch are going to be using a lot of depth players. You know, we talked about the presence of Pitts, uh, Christian Isian, an undrafted free agent who still is is making his mark. But these are guys who are going to be featured more as the year goes on, just because I have to believe that maybe Carlton Davis misses another game in this season at some point. Maybe Jamel Dean is out of action for some game down the line. Let's hope not. But if we're being realistic with the injury history that we already have, the Bucks are going to go into a few more games this year shorthanded. So when they do, that's when stuff has to be cleaned up because, you know, I think a big reason of why the Eagles were just able to do whatever the hell they wanted to do on offense last week is simply because nobody was tackling. Like, it, it looked like a JV team out there sometimes. And, uh, you know, that's got to be cleaned up this week because while we talk about how Michael Thomas isn't the explosive player he used to be, Chris Olavi is great. And Jameis Winston, a questionable quarterback. Taysom Hill, always a variable. We talk about all that stuff, but if the Bucs do a good job of tackling, it's not like this is an offense that's going to put up 300-plus yards on you. I just, mm-hmm. I, I don't really see it playing out that way. But, yes, tackling has to be much, much better this week and every week moving forward. But luckily for the Bucs, after this week's game, you do have the bye week. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, limiting those five catches, five yard catches to five yard catches and not having that five yard catch become an 11 yard catch. And then that two yard catch become a 
five yard catch. Like, you know, it seems that, you know, a two yard catch, okay, break a tackle, gain two extra yards. It seems insignificant, but like it could have ramifications. Like, what if that's a difference between third and long and third and short or third and medium? Like, that's a big spot there. So, yeah, I do believe, believe, uh, and agree with you that the tackling needs to be shored up. And, um, you know, I, I honestly think the tackling, was it wasn't good against Philly, but at the same time they were blown off the ball so much, especially in the run game, that they didn't even have a chance to touch the the ball carrier a lot of the time. Um, but yeah, the corners especially had a rough day uh, as far as tackling goes. Just like you mentioned, like look, you know, Carlton Davis might miss time. You know, another game he's already missed two. Like Jamel Dean's gonna miss this one. He might. Who knows? After the bye week, you hope he's good to go, but there's no guarantee of that. So um, we'll see. But yeah, the tackling definitely needs to be better. And- and uh, to answer Yurik, uh, his question in the chat, do you guys think Carl plays Sunday? We are operating under the uh, assumption that he's not going to play. Um, I think, like I said, I think the Saints are sort of playing a game by making him questionable. I, I would be pretty surprised if he played. You know, and for the Bucks on the injury front, the timing of the bye week is great. Uh, you you got to go into this week, obviously come out healthy on the other side. But for the Bucks as of right now, this point in the season, we look at them having to get healthy as one of the hurdles still left to get over. That extra week gives you a little bit of time to do that. Again, you got to come out of New Orleans healthy, but I do think having that extra week to prepare for a really tough team in Detroit who absolutely brought it to the Packers on the road on Thursday night football, so they will also have a little bit of extra rest headed into that game. Wanted to talk about one more thing for the Buccaneers before we start to wrap up. And this is back on the offensive side of the ball. We haven't talked about it much, but that is the quarterback. That's our man, Baker Mayfield, out there getting the job done. We didn't talk too much about his stats on Monday night. Let me see if I can pull them up real quick because I did not have them handy. That is my fault. That is a broadcasting faux pas. How am I going to present information and then not have the information handy? I, I don't know. I don't know. I actually looked up the wrong game, too. I looked up the Saints-Eagles game, not the Eagles-Bucks game. So let's pull up the box score for this and get Baker's cumulative stats for Monday Night Football. 15 for 25, 146 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He felt the pressure quite a bit on Monday night. Obviously, uh, Philly brought it, and they have the defensive line who has the manpower to bring it. The Saints still have a pretty good defensive line. You talk about Cam Jordan. You talk about the other guy that they just paid. So... With Baker coming into this game, what are your thoughts on, on, on Baker Mayfield through the first three weeks of the season? Because we, we talk about the ineffectiveness of the offense on Monday night, but with that being said, I don't think Baker played a bad game on Monday. I thought he was okay. Like, I thought he was fine. There, there was a few, like, obviously Mike Evans had three drops, like dropped one in the end zone, touchdown. Um, that doesn't help. Uh, there was a few plays I think he could Baker could have made was a little a little bit hesitant to. I remember there was one time I think on a third and seven he stepped up in the pocket had a chance to run and could have probably gotten the first down but decided to throw it deep and it was incomplete. Just a few things there. Like I said, I thought he was fine. I didn't think he was bad. Uh, the offensive line he was under pressure a good bit and like the Saints defensive line's pretty good. Like Cam Jordan's not going anywhere. Um, you know, they got a lot of other talented players. Carl Granderson, I think, is is uh, playing well. 
um for them and there there's a lot of and this defensive line just like like i said earlier with the trenches this defensive line has given the bucks offensive line fits like it just it it has and uh hopefully he's not under duress and can make uh smart decisions and uh just sort of game manage his way to, to another win you know protect the football is the biggest thing that's what they did so well in the first two weeks and then they had two turnovers on three plays on monday night so you gotta be able to, to protect the ball better than they did on monday night and if they don't they they could find themselves in a lot of trouble if you give New Orleans a lot of short fields. So because that's what New Orleans is sort of trying to feast on right now. If you're one for storylines, here's a great one. G Vegas in the live chat says it's Baker versus Jameis. Number one overall Heisman winners going up against that's each true. other. So not a matchup you see very often in the NFL. But has but it has it ever happened with like them playing for the same team? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm curious if that has ever happened, you know, like two quarterbacks they both played for one of these teams yeah i'm I'm curious to see if that's ever happened in nfl history yeah obviously Jameis winston coming into this week with the extra ammunition he's going to need to to go out there and and i guess do what he does best which is hopefully not throw interceptions for new orleans but let's get some score predictions break this thing down and get on out of here oh man people are gonna hate me (laughs) I, i i mean you know this is honestly like I know times have changed. I know the expectations of this team have changed, but while that has happened, people's perception of us and how we view this Bucks team has also changed. And I don't know what it is, Evan, but this year of all years, people say that we are just some of the most negative people they've ever heard talk about the Bucks. And and listen, like I I don't I don't personally get that impression. Like maybe maybe we just don't fill everyone up with hot air every single week. Yeah. But we're not we're not looking we're not sitting there every Sunday being like, oh, man, I picked the Bucks to lose this week. So can this not like can they not score a touchdown here? Like, that's stupid. Dude, I've got my limited edition danger pop. Yeah, you, get, you got your, your Bucko shirt. Bruce thing on. Like this goes back plenty of years. Vita Vea, JPP and Dominic Bucko Sue. Bruce goes back to 1976. Like, Barry. Yeah, I got my creamsicle hat on. You guys can see all the Buck stuff in my room. I love this football team. I have loved this football team my entire life and I will continue to love them for the rest of my life. Uh, with that being said, I, I am going to pick them to lose this week, though. Um, I, I know it's unfortunate, and I know it puts them at a 2-2 two and two record going into the bye week, which at the beginning of the year we said was you, a good you thing. Take it. Right? Yeah, I mean, it. The, <laughs> the optics aren't great winning the first two and then losing two straight, but... I, I mean, it, you know, the two teams that you potentially drop games to being the Birds it is a given. Nobody's going to give you crap about that. It does suck to lose a division game against New Orleans because it does set them back. New Orleans already with a division victory this season, mm-hmm. so it kind of gives them a firm grasp, and the Bucks are going to have to pony up against the Falcons here in a few weeks, which is smack dab in the middle of a tough stretch of games, but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Um, but I think it's a low-scoring affair. I think it's a hostile environment, and I, I do think that you know, the inexperience for the Bucs is, is going to be another factor this week when you simply look at a defensive unit for the Saints that have given them issues and a Saints team that knows the situation they are in. They are playing at home and they're playing a Bucks team that, one, does not have Tom Brady anymore and a Bucks team that, two, they have not beaten in football competition in over a year and a half. So if anybody's going to want to win that game, it's, it's going to be those dirty-ass Saints. So I, I think... The Bucks try to establish the run early in the first half. It doesn't really work. Um, and I just I don't think you see a lot of points. I don't think either offense is going to go crazy. So I do have the Saints winning by three. 20 to 17, my final score in this one. 
People are going to hate me too. Um, uh, they already do. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, you knew I was gonna what I was gonna do. That's nah, come on, come on. I, I think people are more disappointed in you because like they look at you as like, oh, he's the optimist. I was the eternal know? optimist he, for so long, right, and I still right. am, and, and now, I still am in a lot now, of ways. Now you just think the team is terrible. I mean, you just you hate them. I, I mean, guess. I don't know I, I what guess. happened to you. Clear, clearly, clearly. I mean, they 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 must have peed in your Cheerios or something. I don't know what they did to you, but. Uh, that being said, I also think it's going to be a pretty low-scoring game. I mean, you look at those scores that I mentioned, the Saints' first three games. You mentioned it earlier with that stat about their defense not allowing anything over 20 points in 11 straight games. Uh, I have to imagine it's going to continue, uh, especially with a Bucks offense that has struggled a little bit. Like, not going to lie, guys, the Vikings' defense has been terrible this year. The Bucs scored 20 points against them. The Bears defense has been terrible this year. The Bucs scored 20 points against them. Like the Bucs offense, while I know they're trying to work in a lot of pieces, it hasn't been like great. Like it's been fine. Like the beat of the Vikings, you know, it, it helped that the defense forced three turnovers. Like that, that really helped. But, um, you know, and as far as like the Bears go, like, yeah, the, the offense was better, but like to beat the Bears, yeah, you can do that. To beat the Saints team, I think you're going to need to be better. And uh, I, I just don't know if you're going to get that. So I also have the Saints winning by three. I have it being a little bit lower scoring. I have 17 to 14, uh, the Saints win. If this game was in Tampa, I might pick the Bucks to win, but I think going on the road here uh, in New Orleans, an important divisional game. New Orleans remembers that the Bucks swept them last year. And I, I think they're going to remember that. I think it's like, like you said, it's going to be a low-scoring game. Uh, I think there's probably going to be a turnover on the Bucks side. And there's probably going to be a turnover on, on the Saints side. I just think it's going to come down to who makes one more play than the other one. And I think the Saints, unfortunately, are going to be that team right now. And uh, heading into bye week two and two, like you said, not like if you would have said this a month ago, August 29th, you know, if you would have said, oh, the Bucks are going to start a season two and two. Okay. Um, the, the tough thing is, though, is that you can't let the snowball. And this is the last thing I'm going to say as we wrap up the show. You lose against New Orleans. Okay, that's two straight losses. All right, facing Philly, defending NFC champions, one of the best teams, if not the best team in the NFC. Okay, that's fine. Um, especially after you win your first two. Like, that's okay. That that You've allowed yourself that room, right? That little breathing room. Losing to New Orleans, okay. Divisional road game, tough defense, tough environment. Uh, okay, uh, that, that's fine. But then you have a bye week, but then you have Detroit, Atlanta, Buffalo. Three games where, like, Detroit, I mean, Detroit looked fantastic against Green Bay, going into Lambeau and doing that to Green Bay, right? Beating the, the doors off of Green Bay there. Atlanta, I mean, who knows? I think their defense has improved, and they can run the ball pretty well. And then Buffalo, I still think, is one of the best teams in the league. So this could be five straight losses. Like, it, it, it could very well be five straight losses, or it could be, four of your next five, right? If you, let's say Atlanta. So like, you're just hoping it doesn't snowball, right? That's my hope. And even we can looking a little bit more ahead week nine against the Texans thought it was going to be a gimme. They're playing good football. Like CJ Stroud looks like the best rookie quarterback, easily the best rookie quarterback. That's no gimme either. So you just hope that it doesn't snowball into like, Oh boy, this season's going to unravel. You hope. All right. If you're two and two after the bye, you know, regroup, right? 
whatever happens to Detroit happens. I think that Atlanta game is going to be massive. I think what happens in that Atlanta game is basically going to tell you what the rest of the year is going to be. Like if this team's going to be looking at a top 12 ish draft pick, or if they're going to be actually competing for the division, I think that game is going to tell you a lot, but just don't let this snowball into more negative effects because honestly it does have an effect on a team. Bugs lose as they're going two and oh, Bugs lose five straight. That locker room is going to be in shambles. Like they're not going to, have that belief anymore that they can win and then once that's gone the entire season's gone so once that is gone then you're really down a slippery slope so just don't let this snowball it would be massive if you could win though go three and one into the bye week would be absolutely massive i think it's gonna be close i think they have a real shot to win and me and red are not coming up last week we kind of did right last week we were like look like not really a great chance they're gonna beat philly i think it's like it's 50 50 this week Scott Reynolds had to put out an article the day after the game and remind everyone, like, hey, did you guys really think we were going to yeah. beat the Eagles? Like, like come know. on. Like, did they did you seriously think that they were going to beat the Eagles? Come on. No, I agree with what you said. Uh, coming into this game, you know, predicting how the Bucs are going to fare against New Orleans. It is not nearly as doom and gloom as it has been in past seasons, simply because I think the Bucs have a great chance to win this week. I think they can win this week. I think if they win the turnover battle and honestly win the time of possession battle. I mean, that that's the two things I feel like they have to do. You know, if you can not turn the ball over, run the clock effectively, control the football, and force Jameis to make at least one mistake, they could get the upper hand. And I think they could. This is a 2017 game that I picked that literally could go either way. Like, it feels like either team could win. But since I am a little bit superstitious, the Bucks usually win when I pick against them. So I picked New Orleans this week. Now... You start talking about potential five losses in a row. I think a bunch of people just turned us off, but I know. I know. I'm just I'm just saying it can happen. That's I'm just looking at the next you know, the schedule or whatever. Lions tough team. Falcons could be pesky. And then you got the Bills, like one of the best teams in the NFL. Like it's just, you know, it doesn't seem two and two doesn't seem bad until you think, okay, it's two losses in a row, and then you're facing a kind of tough stretch here. Yeah. And and listen, we've been doing this podcast, I, I don't want to say a long time. Well, we have been doing this, it a long time. We are getting our, to be like, I think, veterans of it. It's This is our seventh season uh, covering the Bucks, And in the seven seasons that we have seen so far, we've already been down a rookie contract. This we've, is already been down a, contract. <laughs> we've already been down a rookie contract, but we have also seen pretty impressive losing streaks from this team in the past as well. They started 2-0 in 2018 and finished 5-11. and Like we we've, we've seen, seen years like that happen. So not saying that's going to happen with this Bucks team this year. I don't think it is. I still think they're going to continue to improve week in and week out. And, and to be I don't th- I don't think so either. Really just disclaimer. I don't yeah. think it's going to happen either, but I think can. I think regardless of everything we've said today, we should be in for an exciting football game on Sunday. NFC South football obviously going to go a long way for the Bucks trying to find a position in the NFC South as they look ahead to their toughest opponent within that division. Just a couple of short weeks removed from the Atlanta Falcons as well. So with all of that being said, ladies and gentlemen, I believe that's just about going to do it for this week's episode of the game preview episode of the Cannon Fire podcast. Thank you so much to everybody hanging out with us live on YouTube. The moderators, G Vegas, Willie Beeman holding it down. Richard T on the West Coast says, I've been following you guys since 2019. Really appreciate your support, buddy. Clack 5 White, MK, our buddy Mikey Kelly, Yurek Mazzino. Anybody else that I may have missed, we truly appreciate you guys hanging out with us tonight. 
Follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast, best place to go for updates on the show. And of course, Tampa Bay Buccaneer news as it happens. Speaking of Bucks news as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily, the number one Buccaneers fan page on Instagram. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL and check out his written work at BucksNation.com. What have you got this week? Uh, just actually up a few minutes ago on BucksNation.com, uh, Q&A with Can- Canal Street Chronicles um, from the Saints, the Saints SB Nation site. So talking a little bit to them about some more insight into the game. So if you guys want to go check that out on BucksNation.com, feel free. And then uh, might have might have the X Factor out. Not sure if I'm going to have the X Factor out this week. We'll see because it was a little bit of a later Q&A this week. So we will see. But, uh, yeah, that's up on the site right now. So go check that out at BucksNation.com. Great stuff. Last but not least, you can find myself on Instagram and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. We'll talk to you guys on Sunday afternoon. Win, lose, or draw right here. YouTube.com forward slash Cannon Fire Podcast. Phones will be on as well. So we'll be taking your calls and instant reactions from week four's game between the Bucks and the Saints. Appreciate you tuning in this week. We'll talk to you Sunday afternoon. I'm your host, Rip Matthew, signing off for my co-host, Evan Wanish. We'll talk to you in the next one. Until then, and as always, thank you for listening, and go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.